Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. I am your host, Chris, and you can probably all guess what we're going to be talking about a lot this evening. Uh, but before that, I should introduce my panellists and uh, we've got a little bit of other business to attend to as well. So all that and more to come. First of all, then, I've got Phil with me this evening. Hello there, Phil. Hello. And I've also got Jez. Hello, Jez. Hey. <laughs> caught me off guard then <laughs> uh rich isn't with us this week but i'm sure he will uh he will gleefully clap along as we uh talk about a good week for uh french football but as i say more on that in a moment first of all we need to look back at the weekend uh we'll look back at the Liga action uh, and we've also got one of the games from the uh coupe de france to pick up on as well but um we went all the way back to friday last friday where uh, marseille came from behind to beat Dijon. Um, not only did they win a game, not only did they score two goals, but they came from behind. And that man Balotelli on the score sheet with Ocampos hitting the winner after Marie had put Dijon in front. Um, having watched that game, it was a little bit surprising that they came back based on the first half. But hey-ho. <laughs> yep. um, we uh, also have, uh, on the Saturday, we're going to leave one of the results, but uh, two of them, Amiens beating Carl by a goal to nil. Carl continue to plummet down the table. They're now second bottom, four straight defeats. Not a good result for them. Canate, who else fought Amiens getting the winner? Uh, Strasbourg, speaking of plummeting down the table, they lost at home to Angers. Uh, Kanga with two goals for Angers, a uh, late goal back from Percic, but uh, not enough. And Strasbourg uh, lost that game and they are losing as we speak. We might touch on that before we go off air. Uh, on the Sunday, we saw Montpellier draw two all with Monaco. Um, goalkeeping errors from Benjamin Lecomte, as uh, Jez and I were discussing mm-hmm. pre-pod. Uh, not usual to see that. He's been pretty consistent, but uh, Jelson Martins taking advantage, as did Ranamel Falcao. Uh, Gaetan Laborde had equalised in the middle of all that before Andy Delore got a 90-plus minute penalty. And, of course, a Monaco player saw red because that happens every week, doesn't it? Um, not really an ideal result for Monaco, but I guess given they're away from home, it's another point on the, to- on the total. So I'm sure they won't look too badly at that. Uh, cracking result for Nîmes away at Nantes um, in a game I think it would probably be fair to say was um, very much tinged with the emotion of the day and uh, I, I think it, it probably wouldn't have surprised anyone that Nantes raced into a two-goal lead Koulibaly and uh, Warris with the penalty but they fell to second half come back from Nîmes four goals uh, Guillermo Bobichon uh, Ferry and Thube with the late goal um, just before we move on to the other games, guys, obviously we, we had the news that we probably expected, unfortunately, to hear in the week um, of the discovery of Emiliano Sala's, Sala's body. Um, it's important that Nantes continue to focus, isn't it, on their season. I know it's hard, um, you know, and I, I can't imagine what it would be like playing for them at the moment, but they can't let this sort of it almost they almost have to use it to motivate them now don't they i think it's a it's just such an extremely difficult situation to be in um from a practical and personal point of view for them but yeah as you say they have to if they can take hold of this and use it to to help help them put things in perspective and and keep going I think that's really all all you can ask, yeah. uh, all you can say in this situation, which is obviously unprecedented, really. Yeah, 
Yeah, agreed. And um, Jez, anything you wanted to add to that in terms of obviously finding out the uh, the, the news we didn't really want to hear and, and what the ramifications might be based upon there's a lot coming out of a sort of legal cases now and you know what actually went on the the, the lack of care given to a footballer it's it's a sign of the times isn't it that, that this was ever allowed to happen yeah I, I think it is there's been a lot of sort of <laughs> hand wringing and you know look at the state of football but I don't, I don't really think it's any shock to anyone that agents are nasty pieces of work and clubs a lot of the time treat, treat their players as, as sort of commodities. But um, they, are, they are balance sheet articles, effectively. Exactly, yeah. Which, I mean, to be kind of quite cold about it makes it all the more mystifying that... Um, Certainly, Cardiff maybe even not, but certainly Cardiff thought to, thought that it was fine to to let a seventeen million pound asset just find his own way across across the channel. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think many people come out of this with any any particular glory, except Salah. Which I mean, it's a horrible thing to say, but you know, unfortunately, he's now a lot more sort of renowned than, than he. Than he was, but there was the a good beautiful. Thing what a what a what a clearly what a really lovely man he was, and yeah, there was that beautiful that. article that was written about how he'd gone around saying goodbye to the people in his neighbourhood, including you know the the baker, the hairdresser, the, the I think it said the people in the tobacconist where he bought his cigarettes. It's just he just seemed like he had you know. He was just a really nice guy, and I know that shouldn't make a difference, but mm. when you think about it, it it does. You can't avoid thinking about it. It is it is true to say, isn't it? Whenever you see you know the most horrific um, murder case or something of that ilk, and no one ever comes on the news and says, uh, "What, Bob?" Yeah, absolutely saw it coming. You know, nobody never ever sort of says anything negative. But you, but you're right. Some people. Um, you know, are, are not great people and, and, and pass with overhype, if you will. And I think sometimes it's important that the people who really were a credit to themselves and their family and their profession get the, uh, the best send off possible. And I think it was quite a nice gesture that, that uh, the, the body's been flown back to Argentina, hasn't it? I think Cardiff paid for that to happen. Yeah. And I think that's a nice gesture. I'm not very comfortable with the, um, uh, sort of vitriol that nons are getting in terms of pursuing this transfer fee and whatnot. I mean, it sounds awful to say this, but it, it, there is business to be done here as well. And mm. unfortunately, it's, a club of that size... You know, it's you know. never going to be a good time to point out that there was a contract for sale. As yeah. you're talking about players being balance sheet items, that that's kind of what it was i mean i thought i think you saw more about who not are that all of the tickets at the weekend were nine euros yeah um and they're retiring the number nine shirt and i think that tells you a lot more about the club than any admin Mm. that is that is now happening and will continue yeah. yeah, and some uh, some lovely tributes to um, 
to to him throughout every every league that I watched over the weekend and a variety of different clubs of all shapes and sizes. So uh, credit uh, credit to those involved. Um, obviously, uh, we will move forwards from there, but uh, naturally, again, um, thoughts with everybody in in that, and also in terms of the still unfound pilot uh, David Ibbotson as well. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, back to football. Toulouse and, and Ram uh, pulling out a draw in that game. A late Max Gradel leveller from uh, Udin's opener for Rams getting the uh, the points shared in that game. A result that um, probably helps uh, probably helps Rams slightly more in terms of their form. Uh, Toulouse would have been looking for for all three, <laughs> even at the fact it was their home game, and they are still down in fourteenth, looking over their shoulder. Um, certainly not looking over their shoulder, or, or not by uh, not too many points anyway. Lille, who continue to uh, have a wonderful old time in second place, uh, they just keep winning games. And uh, Raphael Leao and Loic Remy scoring for the penalty spot. No goal for Pepe. I mean, he's clearly a busted flush. Two mm-hmm. um, 0 win at Gangon. <laughs> Probably not a big surprise given where the, the, the teams are on the table. I think Gangon, but the longer things go, the more it's uh, looking like a league. Yeah, season. it's um, not yeah. looking good. No. It, they were slightly unlucky in that they had a goal disallowed, which was a mar- correct but marginal offside. Mm-hmm. And then I think when it was still one um, nil, Mike Menon pulls off arguably the same of the season it's, it's worth looking out for absolutely stunning like a reflex push onto the bar which was just fantastic and things could have been a bit different if that got in yeah yeah i think that's a fair comment uh, based upon i've albeit i did only see extended highlights but i think based upon what you said it did look like they were in the game for long periods so um it is what it is for, for game comp but they need results and fast uh ren got a, a lovely little win uh 3-0 against st etienne rather surprising in terms of the the level of the scoreline but um lucky. yeah two late goals as well but two late goals Pen- st etienne should have had a penalty Everything went went Ren's way. Yeah, including a red a red for Roman. I'm sure Rich is very happy about that. Yeah, I'm sure Rich could not give a monkey. <laughs> um, and um, finally, in terms of the, the games, before we move on to things, PSG Nice uh, getting a one nil win over Lyon. I was um, quite surprised this was as low scoring as it was given the way it started, but uh, Remy Volta's uh, exceptional penalty kick um, after a very very long can he actually do anything else I don't think he did no um, it, and it took forever like as soon as that challenge came in um, I, it was Ndombele wasn't it um, who who took out oh, I can't remember who it was he took out now um, was it some it wasn't some maximum was it somebody running through on the edge of the box and I, I think I tweeted at the time it, it, it just confirms that as good as Ndombele is he's still got an awful lot to learn there's still a lot of development coming there it was such a rash uh, a tackle how which, leon didn't score in this game though i mean <laughs> which means uh with the champions league obviously being over two weeks now some barcelona fans are like we're worried about mendy we're worried about Ndobele. how is Valverde yeah. going to solve this issue and i was like well there's always the possibility that leon might solve themselves yeah there's always a possibility leon might be leon and uh, so i think that's going to be extremely interesting yeah uh, when Uh, we get to the next round of that across the two nice matches leon had 52 shots yeah, I mean that is, and they, and they, some of the chances was it. I think it was Denier missed one. There was one at the back post, Marcelo. It seemed harder to to miss. 
Um, I mean, they, they just had chance after chance to pie. Um, I think there's again, again, another one close in that a man of, of, of his um, self-publicized worth should have been taking chances like that. Just bizarre game. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I did. However, they are playing Gangon on Friday. So, oh, they'll fill their boots. You know. I'm sure. Yeah, that, that, I'm sure that will perk everybody up before uh, the um, uh, before the visit of Barcelona. Yeah, on um, Wednesday. One other thing I wanted to mention just about that game, um, Jez, indulge me, in, indulge my man crush. Um, he, he's quick. He wears a Gucci headband. He's got lovely hair. Uh, I, I, I really, I'm really pleased that Alain Saint-Maximin is is starting to show a little bit of that potential. There is still that little bit of headless chicken about him. Granted, I know he's nowhere near um, the finished article, but to me, there's a there's a rough diamond in there. There's there's a player that, if he's given the right opportunities and potentially when when the opportunity comes up, move to the right club. Which but I think again, he he's been a rough diamond for several seasons. I mean, that's that, fair. Yeah, that's fair. That Bastia season, where yeah. he's the only one scoring goals and the only one attempting to move forward and not just hit people yeah i mean that was what two seasons ago before the move to monaco wasn't it where it it all sort of went a bit bounced around a very weird amount for a footballer that good Mm. would be something i'd say i know nothing about the headband but (laughs) i like him a lot and i just think. think he needs he needs to settle somewhere and be consistent yeah Go on, no, but I think he needs to settle somewhere to be consistent. Mm. Which yeah, is I, think it's a bit, I think it's a bit circular. I mean, um, mm-hmm. Vieira hasn't always been entirely complimentary about him this year. So whenever he's talked about the, the problems of um, sort of discipline or, or concentration or consistency, it was always Sam Axelman who was mentioned in the same breath as Balotelli, which possibly says something <laughs> as does being moved around. And, you know, when when Jardim isn't too keen on whatever the, the, the background behind it, Jardim proved he was very good at working with very talented young players. The mm. fact that he didn't insist on keeping San Maxima out and get the best out of San Maxima possibly says as much, if not more, about San Maxima than it does about Jardim. So mm. I, am, I definitely think that he's improved a lot this year. There's a lot more sort of end product, and I feel a little sorry for him that somehow the the onus the goal scoring onus seems to have fallen on him even though he's not an out and out goal scorer. But yeah, the jury's still a little bit out for me. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll keep my man crushed, but uh, no, I, I take your point. I, th- I think he's just one of those players that gets you sort of excited when he gets on the ball, and that's what I like about him. It's yeah, that speed and um, you know pace about him. But um, hopefully, he does does develop. Um, our final game of the weekend was PSG's victory over Bordeaux. Not a lot to say about this, other than the fact they won one nil. Um, Edison Cavani scoring the penalty and then pulling up lame. Um, then came all the subsequent, oh my goodness gracious, what are we going to do when we go to Manchester United? We'll touch on that in a second because that's the main bulk of our show tonight for obvious reasons. And, but, and the soft penalty. And the soft penalty, yeah. And, it was very, and Soki not being sent off. Yeah, for that challenge. All, even though all the referees have got it in for PSG. It was a horrendous challenge, by the way. Um, Phil, you just wanted to mention their midweek win, though, because that was yeah. by no means straightforward. It looked the scoreline as PSG uh, 
faced Villefranche of National, the third tier in the Coupe de France, um, was 3-0, which sounds like a routine win against a smaller side. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, this was um, after extra time. Villefranche, who are not that good in the third tier, uh, held them goalless at 90 minutes, which meant they had to go to extra time. But it also meant they had to bring on Cavani, they had to bring on Mbappe, which clearly PSG did not want to do. Um, but the levels of frustration um, in the PSG uh, side of things were quite impressive. Uh, they did end up basically rolling Villefranche in extra time, goals from Draxler, Diaby and Cavani. But if a 3-0 win can be said to be embarrassing, that was it. And was was Tuchel sent to the stand as well, I think, yeah. in that game? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he lost it completely. He was so frustrated. So when you have that, followed by a narrow penalty-based 1-0 win against Bordeaux in which Cavani gets injured, you've already got Neymar injured. They then said Mounier was injured. Um, meanwhile, you've got Rabiot still on the naughty step playing with the, the under-23s or something, and Verratti not expected to be able to last a game. They moved into Tuesday's game at Old Trafford with the bookies putting Manu favourites by quite a way. And because there were issues in defence, issues in midfield, there were issues in attack, and yet, well, what let's happened in, next? Let's get into it, yeah. I mean, I, I, some of the, the, the press beforehand was quite interesting. Um, I'll hold my hands up completely and say that when the draw was made under Mourinho, etc., I thought, that's ideal. I, I thought mm-hmm. there's, there's no way PSG are losing this tie. Obviously, things have changed since then in terms of Manchester United's uh, happiness, at least, um, and the way they've been set up. Um, and I did slightly fear for PSG in this game, given the lack of options they had. I, I, didn't, I wasn't one that bought the Neymars out, therefore we'll lose thing. I, in fact, if anything, I no. thought maybe they'd play better. But, well, Neymar's out, therefore Farmer's FC. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everybody else is terrible. But, but I, I, losing Cavani, yeah, was, and, and that was an issue because Mbappe obviously is normally not the central guy. No, and, and Munier, while, I thought as well. That was yeah. another... And, and Verratti, so, nobody was sure who, yeah. whether he was actually... Those fit. things were, in a sense, the less fashionable player. If you can say Edison Cavani is the less fashionable yeah, player, but fashionable he player. is in that front line. Yeah. Um, them being absent really did make you look at that team, that possible setup, and go, hmm. a little bit. And obviously, as I say, the odds were with Man U. But if you say PSG are down to bare bones and one of those bones is Kylian Mbappe and it's then others are Di Maria, Draxler, you know, it's it was it was an interesting setup and uh PSG maybe reveled perhaps in being the underdog for once. I don't know. Yeah. I I thought they did. I let's take it half by half. I mean first half mm. um 
it, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a chess match. I thought PSG started well. United sort of grew into the game without creating a huge amount. Mbappe and Di Maria both guilty of missing pretty good chances. There was a lot of yellow card action. I've seen a lot of British uh, based. Um, journalists and fans saying that uh, PSG bought the referee which I, I do find quite funny uh, given some of the tackles that United players are making. One, I just um, before we go into the match itself I actually mm. thought the referee had a really good game. I did. Mm. Lots yeah. of complaints and stop start. It was stop start because both teams were very... Were not behaving. They were kicking the shooters of each other. I actually thought every booking was a reasonable call. The only mistake I thought he made was not sending Young off. Uh, yeah, so, Young off. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and, and uh, on that subject, um, how professional football stadia do not have padded barriers is beyond me at this point. If, if, if it could be done in professional wrestling, for goodness sake, why on earth is it not done in professional sport? I'd suggest mm. that the difference is that in wrestling, you're allowed to pummel someone into the barrier, and in football, you're not. No, you should, that. Unless, you should be yeah. sent off if you do. Unless, of course, you play for Stoke, Jez. Uh, ask Matthew DeVucci about that one. Um, um, but no, or, I, or Ben Thatcher. Or Ben Thatcher, yes, indeed, crikey, that's, well, that's going back. Interesting thing, obviously I was watching the French feed, uh, mm-hmm. so at halftime they may have had a slightly different view on things than I believe Steve McMahon man, oh, uh, had, had at your end. But Jubal Cissé, who was clearly uh, dealing with a very bad cold, was kind of doggedly trying to talk about the defensive tactics of both sides while everybody else was talking about yellow cards and the referee and Cissé made much better sense where he's talking about both sides have kind of set up defensively because they're worried about the threat on the counter-attack yeah and PSG just did that a lot better when you look at Manu's backline I read um uh Mohamed Butt for Squawker wrote the piece wrote a piece about five things we've learned or five things to you know, work on from this match from a Man U point of view. And he was talking about the centre-backs, the right-back and the left-back. It's like, yeah, because it was not good. No. Um, And one thing several people have mentioned is that PSG were not at the top of their game. They were, there were some brilliant performances, but it was not the brilliant overall performance that you might expect. No, it didn't have to be. They just had to kind of turn up and be competent, and throw in the occasional, you know, big gesture like Mbappe's run midway through the first half, where he just kind of Lindelof was kind of spinning around and not sure what was happening. Um, David de Gea had a, actually a decent game, I thought. Mm. Although um, I thought he was at fault for Kimpembe's goal myself, but yes. um, but he should... made a couple of other. Big saves. Another one from Mbappe in the in the second half as well. Yeah, uh, where he, you know, where oh. Mbappe basically was ran away from. Well, I, I thought that was more. It was a heavy touch. I thought it was a poor miss and a, mm. and a good save. I thought the He's save, unfortunately for him, the save from the. I thought Mbappe's header. Yeah. Was fantastic. The one that De Gea turned around mm. the post yeah, that, and that then was into guess. the corner from which PSG scored their opener. Yeah. And also, to be fair to Man United, I actually thought they didn't really do much wrong for the second goal. It was just a very, very well-worked goal by yeah. PSG. Oh, and the, and the speed of, of Mbappe to... And a perfect cross as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, the cross didn't get a, nearly enough attention. Uh, we'll, we'll cover each goal, actually. I mean, the, 
ironically, Jazz, the the opener from from President President Okinpembe, who's I think it would be fair to say had a shaky <laughs> evening until it, that point. It, it was an up and down kind of yeah. evening. I think. Um, I mean, I, it I, was it was a brilliant finish, but uh, he yeah he had his he, first ever goal as well. Yeah, and he, he'd had one of those nights where on another night he could have walked. I think it's probably fair to say mm-hmm. um, for intent, if nothing else. And he did look shaky, but he's a young player. That's going to happen. It is, but at the same time, he's he's a well World Cup squad player who World Cup winning squad player who's playing for PSG in the round of sixteen of the Champions League. Um, I think there's there's. It was a very good performance overall. There are elements that possibly PSG would have to improve against better teams than this Man United. He lets me fair, as someone said, um, yeah, first defeat in 12 matches, but maybe just possibly that says more about the overrated supposed quality of the Premier League than, than anything else. Mm. Um, like, he's young, but I, I thought he looked very, very poor. I mean, Di Maria started poorly, but improved as the match went on. Kempembe, mm. I thought, was generally shaky. I think, again, Manamanova did the, he should be sent off, he should have been sent off, but he got away with a couple, one in the first half, and one early in the first half, and one early in the second half, where somehow he bought three kicks, where both times he just played himself into a lot of trouble. Mm. Um, got booked early on as well, which could have posed problems um, if, if United had been firing a bit more. I, do it, I, do it. I not yellow cards in the game. It only, it, but, but as Jess said earlier, I think they were all warranted. Mm. It's just quite a feisty game. Yeah, I don't. I mean, when people are saying he should have been sent off, I don't think he should have. I don't think he did anything that deserved another yellow card. I just think there were a couple where he deserved to have a very dangerous weak kick conceded against him and somehow got away with without mm. that. Yeah, I thought the, the follow through slightly when when uh, everyone on BT Sport collectively uh, lost their their proverbial bits. Um, I didn't think it was a sending off. I, I completely agree. I just thought you could suggest that there was a, a sort of a movement in in terms of a sort of a, a stamping type of movement I think some referees could have given it I agree I don't think it was but it's one of those that had it been given I don't think too many would have complained but you mentioned um, a couple of players there Di Maria um, you know as you said had um, sort of a, a mixed night um, in terms of sort of how he performed Overall, I thought he was exceptional second half, created both goals. Um, we mentioned the second goal from Kylian Mbappe. It, it wasn't just the it wasn't just the finish. That cross from Di Maria was quality, given the fact that he'd been berated all night um, for simply playing for a club that he played against. I don't quite understand that. He, he never really fits United's style or manager at the time, but he proved last night that he's a, an exceptionally good footballer and has probably benefited since moving to Paris. I doubt, I doubt that he cares about the doing. Based on his reaction, no. <laughs> the, yeah. the swearing suggests... Yeah, quite enjoyed that, to be well, fair. I think fun. it suggests That's that he's heard enough, it. Mate. doesn't mean he's <laughs> bothered about it. Um, mm. uh, you know, the, as well as the Ashley Young not being mentioned whatsoever at half-time and literally in about 0.3 of a second after the match... Um, the most we got about United fans throwing missiles at, at Di Maria was um, mm. you don't want to see that on the pitch and nothing else there as well. But 
you know, booing is one thing, throwing stuff is another, but he, he certainly <laughs> answered them in the best way possible, and so um, in terms of two assists and two assists uh, and a beer. That's that's a good evening for anybody, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I, and I thought two other performances that really stood out on the night. Um, Marquinhos was, mm. uh, I just thought faultless. I just he's just he's one of those players. He's a big game player. Seems to step up when he's needed the most. I just thought his defensive performance was brilliant. And one that I thought maybe went under the radar a little bit in in terms of just the overall keeping the ball moving. I thought Draxler was. Was mm. quietly very effective, um, just doing the simple things well, keeping the ball moving. Um, his his movement off the ball. Yeah, it's I, it's almost enjoyed. like he's you know not uh, international for one of the best yeah. in the world. It's but this is the thing when you're looking at all of these players, um, it's about what you can knit the collective together to be, mm. because the individual um, you know ability is is you know you can't really question. Um, I think when you said take it half by half, that's very telling because at half time, obviously, uh, Manu lost uh, Lingard and Martial. Yeah. Two injuries. I think it was each side of the break brought on um, uh, Sanchez and Mata. Yeah. Now, if you've just lost your two pacey wingers and you've brought on a guy, two guys who aren't pacey and mostly hang around in the centre, that means they're much easier to control. It basically meant that I think Rashford was kind of the, the point attacker that PSG could focus on. And we know that PSG's centre-backs are not necessarily fabulous. Mm. So that, that half-time change meant that they had much less danger to deal with so what you saw in the opening bit of the second half uh, Tom Williams shared uh, a graphic from the UEFA press pack goodies uh, which was basically that um, PSG in the first kind of 15 minutes of the second half moved to three at the back with Bernat and Alves as wingbacks mm-hmm. If I thought, look, yeah. If you look at the average position, and I think Bernat gets a bit of a rough deal sometimes. He's kind of solid and unexciting. I thought he did which, really well. Yeah, if, yeah, if you want to be, you know, a team of stars is not good, but is actually quite useful if your back's against a wall and, mm. you know, you're a defender. So that change uh, seemed to happen because it was like, well, we don't necessarily have to worry about the wings anymore because mm. they're not fast and the tactical so, tweak worked didn't it when they it the very much did and i'm not sure solskjaer's reaction was you know helped there but i'm not sure there was anything else much else he could do given no. their bench it's like psg's bench was like mm. jesus they ended up i think because Dagba came on late for Di Maria with three right backs on the pitch, or four if you count Marquinhos. Yeah, I mean that's that's the situation PSG were in. Their bench was shallow, and they still managed to move the ball around and take their chances and counter and 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 win two 0 So it was very impressive without being a glittering display. And I think that's kind of 
really important for them going forwards. In um, in fairness, though, Manchester United did bring on a ghost, which was a clear advantage to PSG. Um, um, Alexis Sanchez was uh, was pointless. Uh, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little torn about that. Did after being brought on. <laughs> and, I'm a bit torn about the injuries. I was speaking to Man United fan today who was quite adamant that it was the Lingard and Martial injuries that, that turned the game. Mm. I understand his point of view, especially as, as, as you said earlier, that the way both teams were playing were kind of very cautious because they know that their both defences are, are limited and um, sort of playing on the counter-attack. But at the same time, firstly, neither of them did anything in the first half, particularly Martial, it was really disappointing. And mm. secondly, I know that they, they obviously would have wanted to come away from the home for the win, but at least with, with Mata and Sanchez, in theory, they should have had more control. Whereas I thought mm. in the second half, they had a hell of a lot less control in the first half. Weirdly, yeah. they, they had, like, both of them have got past completion percentages in the 80s. Uh, it was 84 for Man U, 87 for BSG. It wasn't like people were dropping passes. They weren't passing the right way. Well, the first half, I thought, I mean, certainly the first 10 minutes, but actually for most of the first half, Tuchel was going mad. And I think it was because, mm. particularly in the final third, the passing was awful. I mean, there were a little sequence, you know, Verratti, Silva and Kimpembe doing little triangles between each other with no Man United player trying to get it. That's going to push your percentage up. Yeah. Um, but after that, they improved a lot. And I think Verratti was uh, sort of 93-ish percent. Um, mm. Or nine, no, I can't remember the stat, but a very high percentage of his passes were in the Man United half, which I think actually showed mm. how they stepped Give, forward. Given we weren't they, expecting him to be able to play kind of um, more than a half, yeah, he he lasted 75. Yeah, and then got clattered or blocked a shot, didn't it? And I thought, oh yeah. God. And it, that looked more like an impact turn. than him, yeah. you know, running yeah, one out of those. But then they actually, on the bench, they did have Paredes, who could come on and do, you know, sit into the same role. And I yeah. think it was possibly the only like-for-like -like sub maybe they could have made. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he was great. Um, Marquinhos was great. I just, just looking at the equipe, um, kind of, they do a poll on the minute-by-minute, minute, who do you think was the best player? And when I checked this morning at 63,000 votes, it was 33% for Mbappe. He scored, obviously. 23% for Di Maria, two assists in the beer, obvious. And then it was Marquinhos at 19%. Yeah. And interestingly, the flops they chose were 61% for Pogba and 18% for Martial. And I think you have to remember those are the two French guys. Mm. So the basically that the keep readership is watching them and uh and maybe going after them but that was ninety six thousand votes yeah yeah they're flops because they've both yeah. been in great form recently so it's maybe a big yeah. point you saw that that fulham game at the weekend obviously fulham but they looked so you know lively and cheerful and active and then but, but I, yeah, I have a theory i have a theory on this i mean as as a supporter of another premier league club and obviously I, these two leagues are the two i watch more than any other and i i whilst this run from Solskjaer has been impressive um i also like to 
sort of refer to it a little bit of, of, of an Unaiism. Um, <laughs> what I mean by that is obviously Arsenal went on this 22 game and beaten run. If you talk to anyone supporting Arsenal who has a brain, which I like to think I do, um, whilst we all were supporting it and saying it's, it's fantastic and it's brilliant, we haven't lost, we knew that we were, you know, one Mustafiism from four defeats in that run, you know, and, and that's, and I think it's the same a little bit with Solskjaer. Yes, they went away. And beat Spurs. By the way, they got battered the entire game and relied on their goalkeeper's feet to win that game. Yes, they came and beat Arsenal on the counter-attack. Trust me, that's not difficult. Um, you know, they, they haven't really played anyone what I would call of the, the highest level or the elite level. And the first time they do, some of these players, whilst you know, I'm not disputing Pogba and Martial's form has improved and they are happier players... It, it takes a bit more than that to win on this stage. You can't just go, hello, I'm Smiley Solskjaer. That's all make everybody smile. You you have to have a bit more tactical acumen. And I thought that's where Thomas Tuchel showed yeah, last night. That's, but that's then what... PSG also had lost some key players. I'm not just talking about Neymar, but like we said, Cavani, Mounier. Hmm. And they went into this in a different more awkward situation than they have done so far where they are used to batting people around all over the place and they still managed to basically bat man you around all over the place in their own home and i think that was what we were saying on the whatsapp group uh, about this game feel a little bit dirty supporting how good that was but it was good of watching PSG where they've had these ambitions to win the Champions League for the last couple of seasons and they fall at the hurdle and you're just looking going, yeah, I don't feel like I can get behind them. This time I feel like I can. I really I can. Because they played that game. They played the game. They didn't spend the game. They didn't outprice the game. It was, that was a, sensible and impressive game of football rather than you know uh, a spectacle mm. that's what I like I'm a geek I think on, on Man United I think that as, as alluded to earlier it's, it, yeah it's an 11 game unbeaten run but it wasn't against the highest quality opposition there's a, there's a theory that Mourinho was fired when he was because they thought well, he's going to win the next few matches anyway and then it would be tougher to get rid of him so let's get mm. now and, and give give Solskjaer a, a sort of comfortable start and um, in Solskjaer's defence he is well he's not that that new manager to be fair but I don't you know he's not he's not seen as having the same pedigree as Tuchel and uh, it's not necessarily that PSG are more likeable or anything this year but I just think that with, with all due respect to your to your manager, um, Chris, I think <laughs> that Tuchel is a, probably a, a higher quality manager. Yeah, that's um, fine. And you know, clearly, is I, I wasn't one hundred percent convinced about him at the start of the season, but I think pretty much everything he's done has been really impressive. Somehow, you no, know, it's it's I don't know if it's him who stamps his authority or he's he's just been allowed more authority than his predecessors, but he certainly seems to be able to call the shots more than than Emery or Blanc were ever able to or allowed to do. Mm. Um, he has the team playing together. To be fair, even Neymar, but I do think that they still, I still think, Sharon Pugmire sent out a tweet which got a bit of stick yesterday, but I, I actually entirely agree with him. 
that as good as this performance it. was, it, it proves even more that Neymar was an unnecessary luxury yeah. signing and it still yeah. would have made sense. 100% with that. To, yeah. to spend that money on, on stronger midfielders. Mm. But the fact is that I think this team, I do actually think it made, in a way, it was, it was kind of a blessing in disguise for, for PSG that they had these couple of injuries because I, I do think that possibly if they'd gone in as overwhelming favourites, there may have been a little bit of complacency and arrogance and it might have come mm. back to bite them. Whereas I think the sudden turn inadequate link up a little bit. But, as we've um, seen before. But I, I just think that they're playing more as a team. They're, they're showing more balls than they have. Even Thiago Silva is actually stand, standing his ground for moving forward rather than running away. Um, and, and it's good to see. It's good to see that Mbappe, um, I mean, it's hardly a surprise, but um, guess what? He can play up front on his own as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I, I don't, I'm surprised. I'm not surprised with so many pundits and, and fans to be fair are lazy but I don't think he was deserved to be in the running for man match at all so for me Marquinhos and Verratti were in what was a very good team performance with some very good performances elsewhere I thought Marquinhos and Verratti were miles ahead of everyone else they were yeah. absolutely fantastic and Agreed. Um, Marquinhos but central midfielders just so yeah. yeah but Marquinhos isn't yeah well they looked like they were central midfielders. Well, that's the yeah, thing. I think no, of... I think he's their best defender. It turns out maybe he's their best midfielder as well, or maybe to put it another way, he's just their best footballer. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's Brazilian, thought. isn't he? Yeah, he's, and that, he's able to. There play were a couple football. of Verratti, and it wasn't just the playmaking. There were a couple of Verratti sprints. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, Verratti um, uh, blocks pieces of defensive work that were fantastic and. They're actually well timed. I mean, he's always put in his defensive shifts, but it's not always. He's no. He's not Paul Scholes, but um, they're not always there, the, the most astute or. He was not booked. Minded. No, he wasn't. In fact, I'm just well. checking. He would have been. At the yellow he would have been suspended if he had been. Yeah. And then there was the sprint, right, quite near the end of the match. Lukaku had just come on, so obviously there was a lot of pressure. And Marquinhos must have gave him a good 15, 20 meter head start and still outran him to the ball, which I think was sort of probably a, a good in uh, uh, of the performance as a whole. In fairness, I Jez, Lukaku is probably one of the only Premier League footballers who has a beeping sound when he reverses. So I think even you probably could have caught up with him. Um, Possibly, but uh, uh, Lukaku on top four, that... <laughs> Is still massively yeah, average yeah, to that, me, that, but yeah. I know what you mean. I'm sorry, that, like, been, if you take. He should have been bought on 10 minutes earlier. I, re- I remember a match where he played on the wing for Everton against Arsenal and completely ripped you apart. Oh, he, he did it. He did it the Emirates the other, the other week, but I'd say that's more about our lack of defending than I just I don't but rate him at all. But I know, what, I know what you're saying. PSG's now. defending is mm. not brilliant. So the fact that it did make a difference. Um, uh, the person you were talking to, Jazz, I think it did make a difference that they lost their wingers, the the fast guys at either side. Cut out side. the counter, didn't it? Cut out the um, counter attack. That's the key. Because that then meant that well, we've got Rashford to deal with and Sanchez, and he we can keep up with him. So <laughs> it, it, I think it made a difference. I don't think it was the difference, hmm. but definitely came into play and I think the fact that the 
PSG defence was not put under more pressure mm. is something that PSG fans should be very happy about. Yeah. I think uh, that's, but yeah, that's... we don't get to see Pogba at the Parc de Prince. So I think that's a big thing going forward. I mean, PSG are definitely capable of winning the Champions League, but there are there is going to be tougher opposition ahead. Mm. Um, Marquinhos is sort of more more canny Mm. as well but also just better yeah Yeah. Um, so there are still you know Kimpembe against an even better attack could really be shown up Marquinhos even as you know Warnus as a midfielder could um, could be more tested against better better teams but then at the same time Cavani might be better Verratti would be fresher so I think PSG are in a very good place right now. If yeah. they were to lose... The problem is, Neymar comes back and wants to show the world he's king. That's the thing. I, I mean, I don't think he'd come back until the semis or the final, probably. But that, yeah, I think that could really... Certainly not at peak be. levels either. That's the other thing. I think people sort of bang on about... Um, that lot up the road at the moment are talking about, oh, you know, well, Kane and Ali are back ahead of schedule. Yeah, but it's going to take a few weeks before those players are back to their optimum levels. They don't just... Also, neither of them appear to be quite as egotistical. No. no, I I mean, far be it for me to defend Neymar, but I do think he's been a lot better and much more of a team player this year. And so I'm not saying that he doesn't obviously bring a lot to PSG. But there are still moments when, even Mbappe, I still think to an extent, kind of plays for Neymar when I, I think he should right now be saying, you play for me, kind of thing. And I still feel that he's not necessary. I still think they could be a brilliant team without him. They could have signed a, still a sort of Galactico player and had a hell of a lot of change left over to buy a, a midfield. Defensive midfield. But, mm. you know, I'm certainly not saying that he weakens the team anymore. I wanted to. Uh, I just wanted to touch on him before we sort of start to uh, to wrap up and have a look ahead at the weekend. Um, Kylian Mbappe. I, I know that there's there's two sides to this to this sort of player in that people who watch him regularly, uh, which I'd like to think are us and 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 those who who follow Liga, we're all fully aware of his defensive lack of responsibility, um, his showboating at times. You know, he, he switches off in games at times. But on the other side of things, the people who simply look at his highlight reel and his stats and everything else, and given the age he's at as well, uh, there are comparisons out there already of the, the big two and is he as good as R9 Ronaldo or can he be? Um, I, I just want to know sort of if we, if we leave his defensive side to one side for a minute, having already sort of made mention of it, just how good this kid could be. Because I, I, I genuinely think that he could be the next sort of biggest star in, in, in football if the, if the career path goes as it's continuing to be. Do we, I, I think do we feel he that arguably way? already is. I mean, Kevin, That's also fair. Kevin, Kevin Jeffries and I have got this, this running joke because we both remember when Gary Lineker sent a tweet saying, uh, not that long ago, saying Marcus Rashford is the most exciting young striker. In the oh, world. don't get me started. To which a lot of people replied, uh, what about Mbappe? No, yeah. Rashford is the best, most exciting player in the world. Hilarious. I mean, yeah. Mbappe's doing all right, I think. Yeah. Um, and not too bad. At, um, you know, I, I've questioned before whether Neymar is a truly big game player. You can't question that about Mbappe. He's already, he's got 
seven goals in nine Champions League knockout matches. He's now scored at Old Trafford, at the Etihad, in, I think in Dortmund. He scored in the World Cup final. He He's absolutely the real deal. And, and um, like I said, I, I don't think he did too much yesterday, but he somehow you know, hit a fantastic header, which was behind him, which kind of led to the first goal. His speed and positioning um, made the second, not made, but finished the second goal. Um, even the, yesterday, I even thought the sort of needless tricks and things were actually a little bit better sort of timed and sensed than <laughs> usual. Um, I was concerned about the, the defensive thing because he obviously doesn't put in the same kind of shift as Cavani and I'm, I'm still have an issue with it for France when playing on, on the wing. But he's an absolutely fantastic footballer with a fantastic temperament. Um, I think it was maybe Matt Spiro who was kind of laughing at his, his um, interview immediately post-match, which as usual was just so lucid and saying, mm. you know, I'm actually a bit frustrated because I should yeah. at least one more. And then also, you know, being... He's so tactically aware. And but also like, afterwards kind of being the, not the bigger man, but kind of looking at the bigger picture and saying, you know, we should all be supporting Lyon, we should support French teams, I'll be supporting Lyon next week, and we should all stop being such scaredy cats because we are good teams and we should just acknowledge it and, you know, mm. own it kind of thing. And, and he's yeah, right. On and off the pitch, there is there are elements of arrogance about him. Sometimes overstepping the mark. I don't like his celebration after his day. I'm just quibbling as a footballer. It's, it's awesome. And yeah, I think it's. A, if you're going to be a top-flight footballer, you have to back yourself to a certain degree. There's, there's got to be a level of it's arrogance. Like a, a degree of arrogance, like you say, Chris, is yeah. It's when it's one-eyed. It's when it's lacking perspective. I think he he can be arrogant, fine, but it's within the context of knowing that he's very, very good. Yeah. And not being um, a dick about it, basically. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking of, you know, Ronaldo taking all those free kicks when clearly that was just self-aggrandizement. Yeah, yeah. I can't see Mbappe do Mbappe counters he breaks and he does it quickly but he does it smart and that's yeah. I'm I, fine with somebody being arrogant about that basically i think the, the thing i love about him sort of almost the most is is everything seems to come very naturally and and he's again like we said about some maximum earlier it's it's a player who you know you genuinely want to watch and that run for the goal you know, the finish was very tidy, but to have the, it's, it sounds so simplistic. It looks so simplistic to run onto a pass from a, a world-class Argentine winger and slot it in the far corner to time that run yeah. so that you connect with the cross at the time you do and you get in between that, that isn't something you can teach that strikers have got that timing or they haven't. And that's what separates the elite from players who are decent and end up at Bournemouth, you know, that well, yeah, maybe that's harsh on Bournemouth, but you know what I mean. And I just or, think or, or at Everton or, or at Everton, yeah, very good point. Um so I, I just to me sometimes we look we almost go looking for the negatives because we almost don't want to big up players. Um but I, I just think he is you know, Messi and Ronaldo I think are on a different planet. I think Neymar's probably the next one 
stepping below those two. I, I, like you said, Jez, I think Mbappe's probably up there already. I um, think he's well ahead of Neymar. Neymar, really yeah. Do. yeah. He's smarter and understands the collective mm. to an extent that Neymar may have been put in position, particularly for the national team, where everything is on him and it has to be him. And that must be a massive pressure, particularly on a young player. Yeah. But at club level, I think, yeah. I, I think Neymar, is provi- Neymar provides a lot of assists, but Neymar is a, is a team player. Yeah. Sorry. Ne- Neymar is, provides a lot of assists. Yeah, more of a team player. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, that's something that just made me chuckle. A quick aside there, just as Phil said, um, sort of being sensible and and, and um, professional and, and whatnot. Uh, at that very second, Serge Aurier was pulling a player down at Dortmund by his shorts and getting booked on the counter attack. <laughs> just made me chuckle. Oh, the heady days of Toulouse. Oh, that's where he is. I'm yes. Anyway, uh, just um, before you look ahead at the weekend's action, do either of you make a claim that PSG could still barter this up? Because I, I don't personally. I, th- I think, I... barring anything dramatic, I think that they should be all right. No, I think this is a much more solid, much more organised team yeah. that isn't going to be frit. And also that Man U are obviously not Barcelona. Mm. So no, I think, uh, I think this is going to be fine. I think <laughs> if they lose this one, I think it would be much worse than uh, the six. Oh, it would be horrendous. Oh, stuff would be on fire. Stuff don't is get, already on fire in France, by the way. Don't, don't get me um, wrong. I don't expect them to uh, to rock up and um, comfortably put the tie away. I'm sure we're in for something uh, out of the norm. I'm sure they'll concede an early goal just to give everyone the jitters. Or I think if they if they concede early, they, it could get very nervy. But I, yeah. just, I can't see them losing it. Any sort of goal for Paris in Paris, I think, ends the tie, full stop. So, unless, of course, United have scored five by then. Uh, but let's hope not. And uh, yes, so um, one out of one in terms of the French clubs in, in Europe. Uh, obviously, Lyon play next week. We've got uh, uh, Ren in Betis. Betis on yeah. Thursday. Yes. Yeah, so we're, we're uh, Rich may not be with us next week, but uh, we'll be back at some point to discuss uh, Ren's we'll, we'll Europa do League heroics. Indeed, which yes, we indeed. are crossing our fingers for. Yes, absolutely. Uh, just before we go, we should let you know that uh, Nantes are currently winning 1 0, uh, despite being down to 10 men. Rangier's penalty after 80 minutes, three to play in that one. Khan uh, losing again. Oh dear, not looking good for Khan. And um, um, Santessian beat Strasbourg they in did. the early game. Yes, two goals to one there. Uh, goals from Beric and Loic Perra. Nuno da Costa pulling one back for Strasbourg. Um, the weekend's action sees Nîmes and Dijon uh, start off with an early kickoff on the Friday, no less, at 6pm uh, UK time. Uh, Olympic Lyonnais face Gangon on the same night, as we mentioned earlier on. Uh, on the Saturday, we have got a four o'clock kickoff between uh, Marseille and Amiens. And then the uh, two seven o'clock games all over the place this weekend. Angers, Nice and Monaco, Nantes. I think Monaco really need to be taking all three points in that one. Mm-hmm. And then on the Sunday, the early two ga- early three games, sorry. Bordeaux, Toulouse, Car Strasbourg, again, must win for Car, you'd feel. And uh, Lille home- host Montpellier before the four o'clock game, which is Ram against Rennes. And uh, St Etienne, PSG, 
always a nice one to watch that one rounds oh, off the weekend. There the will be pyro. Not usually for me. There will be humans. <laughs> there will yeah. be violence. Yeah. It will all be happening. It will all be going off there. Um, so, yes, they are the games that we will be looking to cover this time next week. Um, we've, As we've mentioned earlier on there as well, we will be looking to cover the Leon game and uh, the first leg of Rent. Are Leon on Tuesday or Wednesday? Leon on Wednesday. So if we record on Tuesday, we round up. I thought Leon on Tuesday. I thought they were Tuesday. I, I may have got that completely wrong. I thought they were Wednesday. Let's have a look, shall we? Basically, the entire schedule is a mess, listeners. We don't know where we are one day to the next. They are the Tuesday. There are are two League Young games that have happened tonight. Yeah, it's all over the Um, shop. And it's it's an absolute absolute shambles. They are on the Tuesday, so this is this is good news for podding because that means we can probably do do a pod on Wednesday. So uh, (laughs) fine. Okay. There you go. Behind the curtain, listeners. You've just heard the internal admin of FFW Towers. Yeah, always Very professional. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, so all being well, we'll have two European games to cover next week, as well as the uh, the weekend's, uh, weekend's League on games. So stay tuned for those. Um, just a very quick plug from me, um, something that is probably more... Um, it's probably more Premier League based, but it's with a French twist. And it was a very good article. Um, a good friend of mine, Dave Sager, who um, writes for a website called Gunnerstown, had a very interesting interview with a Lorient fan last week, uh, which was put into press, uh, talking about um, Claude Maurice at uh, Lorient, who's Alexis Claude Maurice, who seems to be the next sort of young talent potentially coming out of there. It's worth a read. Um, in terms of the uh, sort of content from the Lorient chap and and his sort of th- thoughts and feelings about the youth setup in French football, so it's worth a read if you get five minutes. Um, so have a look at that. Have we uh, have we got any other live articles on the FFW website at the moment? Uh, not at the moment. Uh, hoping to have more with obviously the cups happening later in the month and um, various things like that. Good stuff. So, uh, usual place, um, FFW on Twitter and, of course, our website. So, have a little look at all things that are going down there. Um, and uh, I think before we go, I think it's only fair that we, uh, we we tip our collective hats to John Johnson this week, who had Man United fans eating out the palm of his hand last night. It was a thing to behold as he trolled the prawn sandwich brigade as they left <laughs> Old Trafford for London uh, last night. That was very, very entertaining. Uh, he more than held his own. So well done, John. Uh, John, John and I particularly also enjoyed Patrick Severa suddenly going very quiet. He did. And then, <laughs> and then when someone did manage to get a film of him leaving Old Trafford, looking down and very down as well yes yeah and, and we should yeah, mention wasn't there an image going round of adrian rabio in the in the crowd as well did you see that no i didn't mm, there was a, a photo no, i'm not going to criticize him because i still think he's been treated badly yeah fair enough i still think he's a pillock but it's nice of him to be supporting his own yeah but he needs so. union representation this is also true the rights um, of the workers and I've got it on good authority that he thinks I'm a terrible host as well. So, you know, what's fair is love and war. Uh, anyway, on that note, seems like a good place to leave it as, as any. Um, so my thanks to, uh, to Jez and to Phil. Thank you both for your time this evening. Thank you. Thank you.
And uh, as I said, we will be back next week, uh, all being well, on the Wednesday to talk about the weekend's action and the week to her, uh, week, uh, week ahead, a big game for Leon in uh, Barcelona. So, uh, or at home to Barcelona, I should say. So until then, uh, enjoy your French football and we'll speak to you in a week's time.